Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. All right, it is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and I am Ralph Vieira, and I am here with... Oh, yeah! Hell yeah, Ian Wadley, and we've been talking for about six hours now. That's true. With, tell us who our guest is. The one and only from Damn Good Movie Memories, Brian Davis is with us. Today. Hell yeah, yeah, Brian Davis! All right, thank you so much, guys. <coughs> the legendary Dr. Fuck and the amazing Wadzilla. Thank you, sir. So yes. good. And we're here to review a very special album for me. Um, in the 70s growing up, I was raised with Rednecks, and uh, Leonard Skinner was uh, the shit, and still is the shit, in my opinion, and this album is the shit, and uh, it's the live album, One More For The Road, and we are even gonna talk about the two bonus tracks that are on it that wasn't on the original that I grew up well, on. There's, there's multiple bonus tracks. Well, I'm saying the two, uh, well, not... Two bonus track, the two tracks that don't appear on the original uh, uh, version, because the other I, bonus tracks are alternate tapes. Okay, dokie. So, uh, Brian, tell us the first time you ever heard of Leonard Skinner. Yeah, so I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't born when the original Skinner was performing. So I was born in 1978. Ha ha! I'm gonna die before I- you. Ha ha! <laughs> Unfortunately, the you know the plane crash happened a year before I was born. But when I started to get into rock music, you know, Skinner was like a perfect gateway drug because my initial love of music was like old '50s and '60s rock and roll, and then of course the blues. And and Skinner's music definitely is, is influenced by both of those genres. And so my very first concert in 1989 was Jerry Jerry Lee Lewis, and I saw him at the Circle Star Theater in San Carlos, California, and then. My next concert was with B.B. King and Buddy Guy. So those were amazing. But my first rock concert was when I was 15 and I saw Pride and Glory, Ted Nugent, and the Johnny Van Zant version of Skinner during the Endangered Species Tour in 1994. Amazing show. They had an acoustic set. It was so good. And for months, all I wanted was Skinner. And I, anything that was Skinner, I bought. I think my parents even got me the box set for that, you know, that Christmas. But for this album, you know, I didn't own the original version like Ralph did. I had the 1996 version, which had 17 tracks and a few bonus tracks. And, uh, you know, one more from the road is exactly what made live albums of the 70s so special. You know, many of these live versions are the definitive versions of Skinner classics. And we'll definitely get into that in this episode. But one thing I will say is in my opinion, Ronnie Van Zant was one of the greatest lyricists in, in music history. I mean, he's right up there. Right with, yeah, bon. he's right up there with Bon Scott. Yep. And I think they're both the pinnacle of what great rock lyrics can be. And it's uh, yeah. real. It's real. Yes. You know. Yes. That's what I love about the man. But I I go so much into Ronnie Van Zant in this album. Good. But, uh, Ian, tell us the first time you heard about uh, Leonard Skinner. I learned Skinner on. Uh, you know, classic rock radio up here in the great white north uh, suburbs of Chicago. Uh, and there was definitely appreciation for him. Um, but, you know, where you grew up in the South, Ralph, you know, you were more of the Southern rock, you know, like yeah. 
you know, your Skinnerd and your Molly Hash and shit like that. Where up north, it was more like, you know, Bob Seger was like our Leonard Skinner. Um, so I, I had an appreciation for them. I mean, I knew they wrote quality songs. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I was a Bob Seger guy. And it wasn't until I moved to the South, which, you know, at, now at 43, you know, I've lived like half my life up north, and I've lived the second half in in the South, between Florida and New Orleans. Uh, you know, but Skinner was a band while I was in Florida. It was just so overblown like 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 you couldn't escape it and i work construction to where you would have classic rock on the radio every day so there's certain skittered songs i would hear every fucking day like oh my god you couldn't escape it and, and it would just it became like nails on the chalkboard even though i knew they were good songs but when you hear those songs day in day out five days a week you know, it was just like, oh, give me a fucking break. I never bought a uh, Leonard Skinner album until 2001. Uh, they did remasters of this album that we're reviewing, one from the road, and Give Me Back Your Bullets. And that was the first time I ever bought a Leonard Skinner album because it, it's, it's one of those things where, like, like, I felt like I should get into this band and I should love them. But at the same time, the overkill factor was so bad uh, that that you know it just it, it, it just hurt. You know, like like fuck if I hear goddamn "Sweet Home Alabama" one more time, or "Give Me Three Steps," or "Call Me the Breeze," like I'm gonna fucking kill somebody uh, because it was day in day out, five days a week. You would hear this shit multiple times a day, and I'm not holding this against Leonard Skinner. I'm holding this against uh, the bullshit that is classic rock radio because, uh, you know, by the time I got into this, you have stuff like classic rock radio. When I grew up, you didn't have that. You just had rock radio. But by, you know, the early mid-90s, everything became segregated. And, you know, say you're a classic rock artist like Leonard Skinner. And you put out a new album, which Leonard Skinner was doing in the 90s in their new formation. They're not going to play jack shit off that fucking album. They're just going to play the shit that people know, that people can hum along to. And uh, so it was kind of a bittersweet road on the way to uh, to Leonard Skinner. And when you picked this up, I was like, oh, fucking shit, you know. But I knew you were ready for one of those, like, you knew, like, the back of your hands, and you don't have to study. And I'm used to studying everything, so I don't care. But I was like, oh, man, fucking Lynn Skinner, God damn. They, they were forced upon me forever. And they are from Jacksonville, Florida. And I grew up in, I, not grew up, but, you know, from 22 on, I was in Central Florida. So I heard this shit every fucking day. Like, I, I didn't get, like, a a chance to absorb it. It was just forced upon me. So when you, when you picked this, I was like, oh, fuck. You know, but I like, you know, whatever. I don't want to fight. I just want to ride your coattails into fucking podcast history. <laughs> you know? Uh, oh, God. But, uh, hey, maybe my opinion changed, and uh, we'll see as we get into it. 
How did you discover Leonard Skinner drop? Yeah, uh, uh, being highly of Florida, which is nothing but Cubans now, uh, was predominantly uh, rednecks. And I grew up really in in Miami. You had rednecks. You got to remember, it wasn't until the the Mariel boat lift. Everything was Americanized down here. We, we were the only Cuban family in the 70s that lived on West 38th Street. The only one. You know, we had some Cubans here and there. But most, you know, most Cubans, uh, when they come to America, they go north. They don't come to, they don't stay in Florida. Now they, they do. Wanna, they they want to get the fuck away, huh? Well, they just, they, they don't realize that, you know, I guess they don't really. But, you know, the Mariel <coughs> boat lift for the most part. The most part, I'm talking about more than 80% are fucking scumbags that Castro emptied their fucking prisons and sent them all over here because we had that jackass president, Jimmy Carter, that allowed it. So Castro shit all over. Oh, that was under fucking Reagan. No, it was Jimmy Carter, dude. Dude, watch Scarface. (laughs) Just like the president, Jimmy Carter, say. You know, uh, it was was, uh, during Carter. Anyway, so... um, we got a bunch of thieves, murderers, junkies, you name it. And they polluted uh, all South Florida. And, they, you know, there's a lot of murders that happened when they came here. And they raised a bunch of scumbags. So, and now they all live in Hialeah. And, they, and all the rednecks left. And they didn't relieve because of racist reasons. Because I am Cuban, and I will say it now. These people are the dregs of society. They suck. You go. You want to see the worst fucking uh, customer service? Go to Hialeah. These people are rude. They suck. And I'm not a self-hating spick because I love the old school Cubans that came here and worked their ass off. Not these scumbags that came here and just, you know. But again, uh, in Cuba, in order to survive, you have to steal. You can't eat in Cuba with the pay you make. You have to steal. <coughs> Excuse me. So, anyway, enough of them. Um, so before that, uh, it was all American. So Leonard Skinner was the shit. And also, I want to throw in a little footnote. Leonard Skinner is considered like the poison of Southern rock to the elite Southern rock uh, people. By the way, mm. you know, oh fuck that. Leonard Skinner sucks. It's all about the Almond Brothers. Blah, 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 blah. But um, uh, and you know, and even Molly Hatchet got it worse than them. But, but um, yeah, yeah. Leonard Skinner is considered a, a poor man's Allman Brothers to the leaders. Well, I agree. All right, cool. So um, uh, this was the album. One more for the road. This was the fucking album that when it came to Leonard Skinner, this is the one I owned. I later got double platinum and, and the first one. I think I got the first one next incredible band very important band to my childhood very important band to my um what do you call uh you know like when you were a kid Ian as much as you hear you really got me and all the burnt out songs of Van Halen you still love Van Halen right (coughs) and yes you will you will hear even in this review there's a song or two I cannot stand from Leonard Skinner and never have you know but but for the most part, I love I love this band. I'm very passionate when it comes to Leonard Skinner. When when Thrasher Die went on tour, I made it a point to stay in Jacksonville so we can go to um, 
uh, his grave, Ronnie Van Zandt's grave, and, and visit him and Leon Wilkinson, and also go to the jug, which is still there. You know, from the Give Me Three Steps, I was cutting a rug at a place called the jug. That place is still there. Oh, wow. And I, I'll tell the story when we get into because uh, uh, something interesting happened while we were there. Cool. And, uh, yeah, what can I say? I absolutely love uh, this band. And uh, I, I can't wait to start getting into this album. So uh, why don't you take it, uh, Brian, the first track, Working for MCA. All right. So this, of course, uh, it was on the second Helping album originally, and yes. this is a this is a great opener for a live for a live album because you start with Leon Wilkin Wilkinson's like roar into the intro. It's just it's like a growl and yeah. perfect way to start the show. Killer piano solo in the middle from the amazing Billy Powell. We'll we'll get through to, to him many times on the on this episode. That guy is criminally underrated and often forgotten when discuss, discussing the top piano and keyboard players. What a groove throughout this song. And of course, the dual guitar solos are just kick ass and, and one of my favorite Skinner songs. I just love the opener to this to this album. Uh, yeah, I love that opening grunt to kick yeah. off the song. That Southern Swamp groove. Ronnie, yep. Ronnie singing about working for MCA, making, making that money, and that's why. I love this band so much. It's just so real. The lyrics, groove, music. There's nothing fancy, no pun intended, about this fucking yeah. band. It's pure heart. And yeah, Billy taking that solo where every key he hits, hits the fucking mark. Yep. And yeah, and then you have Collins, Rossin, and Gaines killing it. Yep. But the, you know, they're just like ripping. Uh, and it's all mm, just right there, dude. I love it. What do you think, Ian? Uh, I love this fucking track. Uh, as much as there's songs, you know, I can't stand from this band, and and even the songs I can't stand, I would consider good songs. It's just a burnout factor. But these guys wrote some amazing <coughs> fucking songs, and uh, and this is a great one. I just love the point of view from this song. Like, you know, and this comes off second helping. And they were already signed by MCA, but here is a bunch of good old boys uh, that were signed, but they're not going to let you forget that they're good old boys, and uh, they're 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 going to ride this you know gravy train as far as they can, and and, and I love that because these lyrics are like one hundred percent about that. Um, I love the original version that's on Second Helping. Uh, but this is one just got a little extra umph, and you know as much as uh, what Brian was saying, he wants to you know keep pointing out Billy Paul, who oh I love as well. I mean, great, great keys player. Uh, but this is the first album that features Steve Gaines, who mm -hmm. I think was an, a major uh, advancement in their sound, and I think you would hear that in the next studio album, uh, Street Survivors. Uh, would show you how important he was. And Ronnie Van Zandt even said, like, he thought, like, you know, at one point, you know, this guy's going to say, like, hey, I was in Leonard Skinner for a while, and then I did this. You know, he he believed in Steve Gaines that much, and I just think he added something to it. But an important part of this record is it was recorded at the Fox in Georgia. So this is a band recording in their environment uh you know they're not uh placating to the yankees or anything like that and i'm a proud 
proud fucking Yankee. I'm, I'm all about fuck the South, even though I live in the South half my life. Uh, but this is a this is a very Southern band performing in a Southern environment. Uh, you, you hear multiple comments throughout the album, you know, like, oh, you people raising your flags. And you know what they're raising. They're raising Justin Childer flags. Uh, yeah, yeah just, just a side note, Ian. A lot of that talk is not on the original. Like, a lot of that banter in between was omitted. From, so that's all new to me when I first heard this. Yeah, right, right. me too. Right, no, but but um, but I mean it, it's true of the concert. I mean the 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 the, the version I should say out to the people uh, listening to this, uh, we're reviewing the 25th anniversary edition, which covers. It was three nights they did at the Fox Theater, and uh, on the original album, like you know, the the song order was changed. But you got to remember, this is the 70s. It's like. Okay, how 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 much time can we fit on this side of a vinyl record? Uh, you know, so shit was was mixed up to you know to fit it on the record so consumers could get it and everything. But when they came around doing the 25th anniversary, they said, okay, we're picking from different nights. There's three nights they're picking from, but we're gonna put it in the order of the actual Skinner concert that night, which I love. But get, again, getting back to MCA, uh, I fucking love this song. Uh, and and this is one I did hear on the radio, but I didn't hear it as much as a bunch of the others. So when I hear it, I don't have that burnout factor. I just hear a goddamn good Southern rock song. And uh, I, I love his lyrics about, you know, and it just seems like him talking like, yeah, you may be a businessman, you know, you may be this, you know, but we're good old boys and, uh, you know, we're going to take your money and we're going to have fun. And, you know, I'm not reciting lyrics, of course, but the sediment of the song, like, you're not going to change us. Yeah, we're, we're, we're dealing with some fat cats here is pretty much what this song means. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And, 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 I, and I love it. And what a way to start the album off. You know, you get the little intro, and then they kick in. But that's when you really hear what a well-oiled machine that Leonard Skinner was. Even though they got a new guitar player at the time, uh, Steve Gaines, I, I mean, who'd just been in the band a couple months. Actually, his first performance with Leonard Skinner was on my second birthday. Oh, nice. Yes, May 11th, 1976 was his first performance. Uh, he was brought in the band. Uh, Ed King had left the band, and his sister was already one of the background singers, Cassie Gaines, yep. who unfortunately passed away in in the tragic plane accident. But uh, you know they're they're looking for a guitar player, and they suffered a little bit with uh, giving back your bullets, which I love that out. And the only two fucking Leonard Skinner albums I own are "Give Me Back My Bullets" and this one. Hmm. Uh, I, I never bought the old shit because when I grew up in the Midwest, you know, like I said, it was more about Bob Seger than it was Leonard Skinner. And when I moved to Florida, it was such overkill. I was like, oh, but when they started doing these special remasters, like, you know what? Let me check out this band that I'm probably not giving a fair break to because, you know, just because I overkill. So these give me back my bullets and 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 this one are my only 
ones that I know all the way through. I have the other ones now, thanks to Mr. X. Thank you. <laughs> um, but uh, but just like doing the history and finding out about this shit, you know, and uh, you know Steve Gaines coming in like late in the game, and they kind of second guess themselves. And another thing, like giving back my bullets was their fourth record. I mean, these guys only made five studio albums when they were a recording band with the classic lineup. Only five. I mean, think about think about how many hits Leonard Skinner has. Yeah. And they only put out five studio albums, you know, before the tragic, you know, plane crash. So that's a a goddamn good representation. And give me back my bullets is the only record uh, of the classic lineup that hasn't gone platinum. Uh, that that one really tanked, but that was the first one where it was a two guitar lineup instead of a three guitar lineup, and uh, they're like, you know, especially Johnny Van Zant was like, oh fuck, what are we doing here? Uh, you know, we need that three guitar sound. That's what makes us, and that's when they got Steve Gaines, and they recorded this album, and then they went on to go do uh, Street Survivors, which possibly could be my favorite. Uh, studio album because now I've gone back and listened to them. Uh, I really love Street Survivors. I love what Steve Gaines uh, added to that. And there's a big fat sound on that album that I love. Um, Just like but, on this album, this album has a fatter sound than everything. Oh, prior. Yeah. oh yeah. But when I hear working for MCA on this fucking album, and I love the studio version. The studio version is phenomenal. But when I hear this, I hear a fucking hungry ass rock and roll band, and it it it, it really blew my mind and it changed my whole look. Like right from the get, from the first song, I was like, I shouldn't take this light. This is something I should really listen to with fresh ears and and and, and get excited about because this is a band in my ears hitting on all cylinders like just giving it all they got so what do you you think of the next one i ain't the one brian yeah so this one was originally on the debut album pronounced leonard skinnard and so right after you get a terrific opener with working for mca that we that we talked about it immediately goes right into this like the swampy swagger of i ain't the one and this is a great deep cut and i'm really glad it's included in this live set i love the groove of the song the solos are killer Plus, again, you get the boogie woogie piano, you know, touches of Billy Powell in the background. It's so good, and I think it's easy to forget the brilliance of songs like this because it really wasn't a hit. But it's the reason why Skinner is is one of my favorite bands, and and I'm really it really works well right after working for MCA. Yeah, well said. I I I, I mirror that man. I mean, no pausing between working for MCA right into this. Yeah. Uh, an amazing opening track off the first album. Ronnie was infamous of cracking the whip, making them rehearse till they dropped in a boiling hot tin shack in Jacksonville, yes. Florida, uh, back in the back when this shit was written. And it shows in this song, but <clears throat> that uh, the uh, that was the original lineup. But I'm sure by the time uh, Steve joined, he was still cracking that whip on him and Artemis. Because this this sound is even tighter than the the footage I've seen of the original lineup uh, doing this. Which, by the way, original lineup live didn't fuck around. As far as no. I know, there's only one show, and I have it. 
with Bob Burns and and um, <clears throat> Ed King, which Ed King, by the way, was technically the best guitar player in uh, Leonard Skinner. That's why mm-hmm. they had to get somebody like Steve Gaines, somebody that right. was technically better than Collins and Rossington. But at the same time, you cannot take away what fucking Al Collins or Gary Rossington did either. I mean, well, they the, were... the, neither did Leonard Skinner because who does the bulk of Freebird? That's yeah. fucking Collins. You yep. know, and right. you had you had Ed King there, but they made fucking uh, Collins do that fucking solo. You know what I mean? Yep. Right. So it's like again to benefit the song. You don't want no technical, you know, shit that Ed King can do to fucking because Collins was dirty, dude. He was a dirty killer fucking player. Like his 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 sound was dirty, you know. And uh, again, back to uh, I ain't the one. I mean. <clears throat> Um, this is serious classic rock right here. The yeah. band delivers a top-notch performance with Ronnie's prowling that stage like no frontman ever has, you know? Ronnie was a scrapper, you know? He had no problem beating the fuck out of any asshole that came his way. It's well-documented. And I can hear it in that voice. It's got this no-nonsense southern boy attitude who absolutely worshipped Jim- Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. And I can totally see him pull a hood off a KKK member and beat him senseless. You know, you want to fuck with somebody? Well, Ronnie ain't the one. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think of this song. What do you think, uh, Ian? Oh, I I was blown away by this track because this is one I was not familiar with. This is off the first album? Yep. Yeah, it's a, actually, I think it's the first song. On the yeah, first it's album. the first track okay. on the first album. Yeah, yeah. Was not familiar. Like I, like I said, I knew the radio songs. I bought the special edition of this and the special edition of uh, Giving Back Your Bullets. So I didn't know this one. So when it came on, absolutely zero burnout factor. It was just pure, like, listening to it with fresh ears. And I was like, God damn, this is fucking good. And one thing that I kind of... You know, not like I'm some fucking genius or anything. Um, but I caught, just by listening to it with fresh ears, is a lot of times it, it, it's easy to, uh, you know, slam southern bands or slam, you know, people from the south. Like, you know, you're, you're a dumbass, you're, you know, you're a racist and shit like that. You're deplorable. Or a, a bucket of deplorables, if you will. Uh, but listening to Ronnie's lyrics, uh, this guy had had something to say. I mean, and not even necessarily in this song. But as I was listening to the whole catalog, I was like, this guy's a lot smarter than I give his fans credit for. Because we all know those people who we went to school with that, uh, you know, when I went to school, there, you know, there was people who like, you know, metal. There's people like country, you know, and then there was Skinnered people, and and normally the like the Skinnered people were like the dumbasses. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, they were like the redneck, you know, bullshit, ignorant motherfuckers. Uh, but if you listen to what Ronnie writes in his lyrics, he was very articulate. I mean, and very, um, I mean, he would do like a pun. He would do an entendre. Um, but it still came from a sincere space. Like, he's still, like, 
he's very proud to be who he is. Uh, but he's like, hey, don't judge, you know, the whole South by a couple of fucking idiots because I got something to say, even though I'm very proud to be where I'm from. And I was picking that up because I was like, man, it totally changed my mind about what Ralph picked. I was like, you know what? This this sounds like this would be a goddamn good album. And I fucking loved it. I love this track. Awesome. Um, Brian, why don't you take Saturday Night Special, the next one? All right. So this was originally on Nothing Fancy. And again, I agree with both Ralph and Ian that Bon Scott was one of the best lyricists ever. But again, Ronnie Van Zant was right up there as well. His lyrics always had like kind of a cleverness and a swagger that only he could do. It was in his blood. And again, Saturday Night Special is one of those songs. This is one of Skinner's most well-known tracks, and it's a classic for a reason. Amazing lyrics, a swampy groove that, you know, only a band like Skinner could really do perfectly. It's funny because it's a radio hit that makes no compromises, and that's what's kind of special about Skinner. They could write hits without being, like, obvious, and, and these hits came to them because they're real, no fake bullshit at all. Ronnie Van Zant, Ralph mentioned it, he was a taskmaster, you know, and that's why the band is so tight. And they're all, there are alternative tracks on this, and they basically sound exactly the same as the ones that were on the album because the band was so tight. Saturday Night Special is a classic, and uh, yeah, it's terrific on, on this set as well. Oh yeah, nasty hard rocking classic. And it's a unique song because it's like a pro-gun song and an, yeah. anti, and an anti-gun song. Exactly. And that's why he's brilliant. Yeah, because it shows the pros and cons of packing heat. Yep. You know, though he does say it's a uh, good for nothing, uh, putting man six feet in a hole. But mm-hmm. he, he also talks about how the positive of having a gun if a creeper comes breaking into your house. That's right. You know, and I think that's genius. You know, he shows you both sides. He's, yep. and, and it shows how, look, I'm not fucking for guns, but I'm not against guns either. Because mm-hmm. look, you know, look how it could benefit it, which is genius. You know, it's like nowadays... You can't do shit like nobody. Either you're pro gun or you're anti gun. You know, yeah. Uh, with the, especially all this controversy we're having now, but um, he just showed both sides of it. You know, but yeah. he did. But he did. Like you know, hey man, I, I if somebody breaks into my house, I will kill the motherfucker. But at the same time, some drunk motherfucker got a gun. Ain't good for nothing, man. You know, guns are bad, but we need it. You know, that's pretty much what he's saying, and. Um, yeah, and the fucking band, you know, that that hitting that killer groove. And as as much as I love Armored Saint, I hate how they sped this song up. It takes mm-hmm. away the swagger. And shit, Armored Saint will be the first one to tell you that because the record company pressured them to record that song. Uh, the way the original is played makes it so fucking real. I love how they slow it down. With the, why don't we dump all people at the bottom of the sea? And then at the end of the third verse, and then quickly pick up the pace. And Artemis is playing so badass in this song. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, just like this whole fucking album, there's just this kind of vibe. You know, it's like, oh, it's just so well executed. I absolutely love this song. What do you think, Ian? Uh, well, this is my all-time favorite Lennon Skinner song. Uh, I, I I fucking love it. And uh, you guys you guys pointed out 
you know, great about how he does play both issues. And I think that's great in a songwriter uh, that, that, that can play to different people, you know, and say, like, you're not necessarily right, but you're not necessarily wrong either. And and how topical is it, though, of a, of, of a man from the South in, in the mid-70s to write a song that also warns of the dangers of guns? This is my favorite fucking Skinner song of all time. And what I will say, full spoiler, that I've heard. Because there's a lot I don't know. So I'm not going to say I've heard every Skinner and, and song. You know, and you know the beautiful part about that, Ian? There's not yeah. a lot you need to hear either because they don't have many albums. Oh, and I, and I did it today when we were getting ready for this. I fucking... I, I heard I, I heard Curtis Slow when I called you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was listening to this shit and I listened to it multiple times and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Brian on fucking... Uh, on Facebook Messenger, and then I call you, and uh, you know I listen to it so much. But you know, there's another part of me like, hey, let me explore some other shit. And I I know Ballad of Curtis Lowe. I mean that that's what I was playing when I called you. What but a great like, song, man! I, yeah. I was like, oh, incredible song, incredible a, a, song. A, a song singing about how much he loved a black man. You know what yep. I mean? Exactly, exactly. Again, um, something that. You know, a southern but, boy doesn't really write about, you know? Right, but... Showing like full I, respect to the blues player. But then we'll go to the next song, which is Searching. Which is a song I didn't know. Uh, even though I did buy Give Me Back Your Bullets. I, I gotta be honest with you guys. I probably listened to it like once, and it didn't grab me, and I never listened to it again. But listen to this, man. When I heard this live version, I was like... Oh, fuck, yeah. This has got a fucking great groove, you know. This is like a really good fucking, you know, it's like the Stones meets, you know, the South kind of thing. And I really, really fucking dug this song. And, and you know, it made me, you know, get angry that I've spent all these years avoiding uh, Skinner because of, like, Oh, I heard this song a gazillion times. You You're know? welcome. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but I was like that. He was like, okay, I know what this band is because I've heard this. But then when I hear Searching, I was like, fuck. You know, I denied myself because I prejudged this band because of other songs. And and, and it's weird because I know that's an album I got, I bought. I bought the special edition that comes with a DVD and all this shit, and I played Ooh, it once. And, I didn't and get never... that. Oh, How, oh, how's the DVD on that? Oh, it's it's, uh, it's them on the oh, old gray whistle test. Oh yeah, I love that performance. It's really a it, kind of a sludgy sounding album too, more than any other uh, yeah. of their albums. Yeah. But they were also out. They were also. I mean, Tom Dowd produced it. Yes. Done Queen. I mean, not Queen. Uh, Cream. And, and fucking, you know, like Lyle and the Dominoes and all that shit, you right. know, and Almond Brothers. So it was somebody they looked up to. Uh, originally, the name was going to be All Dialed Up, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with, you know, nod to his name and shit. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, they got Steve Gaines right before they record this live album. And it, it, it totally reinvigorated 
Ronnie Van Zant. Like, oh my God, like we have this, you know, you know, jewel in the rough right here. You know, this is what we're gonna do. And uh, he was so excited about that. And, and even if you look at the credits on Street Survivors, you'll see that. I mean, Steve Gaines is all over that motherfucker. But th- th- this is one where, like, okay, it's not fucking Simple Man. It's not, you know, of this shit I hear on the radio every day. It's not Calming the Breeze. It's not Give Me Three Steps. But God damn, is it good. I love searching, man. When I heard this, I was like, Ralph made a goddamn good call. I'm gonna ride those yeah. coats. Originally, I said second helping. Ooh, I, I told I, you. See, see, I don't remember that. I, I yeah, I originally told you let's do seven helping, and then I told you the next day. I go, nah, dude, let's do one more for the road because that one is better because it has a wide variety of songs, and it's like one of my favorite. If you listen to our top ten live albums, which I haven't listened to since I edited it, I guarantee this has to be high on my list. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's uh, Searching is an amazing song. It slows it down a little bit. Ro- Ronnie is belting this song out like only he could. There's something so real about his delivery. It doesn't sound like a trained voice. You know, his voice is, you know, his voice is trained from the heart. You know, Searching from sky up above. You know, it's like, it's not like, you know, uh, you know, Halford Dio, you know, you're Jeff Tate's. It's, no. It's, it's just a regular guy, yep. you know? And hearing this song in particular wants me to start a southern rock band so bad. <laughs> sure, I'm a spick, but, you know, Zach Wilde is from New Jersey, and he did Pride and Glory, right? Exactly. And that, exactly. Well, that was pretty badass. Uh, this is one of my favorite tracks on here. And those guitar lead trades at the end is sorely missing in today's music. Get off my lawn! <laughs> Well, it's a badass song. What do you think? Uh... Yeah, this is this is another deep cut that, that I'm glad is included in the set. It's kind of like I Ain't the One, you know, that was included. But it's a really cool mid-tempo rocker. And, and most casual fans will have glossed over this. And, and that's why we're here to point out these things for you. More great Ronnie lyrics. And, and the like, like Ralph said, the guitar solos you can totally sing along to. It's a really kind of a nice change of pace after you got the three rockers in, in a row. So great song. Yeah, it's not technically a ballad either, which makes it no, even cooler. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like mid-tempo. a yeah, it's a mid-tempo song to like slow down the evening, but it still has that bite to it. You know. Yes. Yes. Love it. Take the next one, "Traveling Man." Cool. So yeah, so if you're unsure about checking out this album, this is the song that's that's a good enough reason to own it because it's not on any other. It's not on a studio album. It's exactly. only on this album yep. very cool track and, and you'll get to hear the female backup singers uh, more predominantly on this one great yeah. swampy song lots of swagger and and actually this song was re-recorded for the 1997 20 album which featured a duet between ronnie and johnny van zandt that's true that is true i yeah. forgot about that yeah and they have a video for it too they do and yeah. it's actually pretty well done you know they use past performances from ronnie and they sync them up with with johnny and they trade off lyric verses uh, purists might have a problem with it and, and only like the original, but I think it's worth checking out. But really, if you want a reason to own this album, uh, this is one of them. Get, you know, because Tribal Man's really well done. Yeah, I will say, man, anybody wants to get into Skinner, uh, other than the box set, a bo- the box set's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's a great box set to, 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 you know, get into Skinner or this one, you know, either yeah. one of the two. 
know. Yeah, when I was getting into Scared, that was the, that was my Christmas gift. They bought my parents bought me the the 1991. Nice. Yeah. With some really gems like Junkie. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Yep. Have you heard the song Junkie, Ian? Oh. You would <laughs> worship it. You know why? It's total CLC Pepper, Pepper era CLC. Uh -huh. Total. Every time I hear Junkie, I, I every time I hear CLC, I'm like, dude, this is Junkie. This is it. They, they they took Junkie and they just made a career out of it. What do you think of Searching, uh, Ian? I mean, Traveling Man. Oh, I, I, I fucking love this one. Uh, again, this is uh, made me feel like I discovered a gem when I'm listening to it because it's like, you know, not not the fucking radio hit or anything like that. It's just like. Ooh, this is just a goddamn good band in their prime, firing on all cylinders, uh, just doing good old rock and roll. And I love, uh, you know, like kind of in this genre of music, uh, I love 70s, well, I, I shouldn't say 70s, I should say pre-eliminator ZZ Top. Yep. I love mm -hmm. that shit. Uh, I love the Almond Brothers. I'm a big fan of the Almond Brothers. I was raised on that shit. Uh, you know, that kind of... Uh, you know, if you want to consider that Southern rock, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love it. But hearing something like this, is it, it's like an undiscovered gem, you know? It, it's like if... Uh, you know, Ralph, you hate... Uh, fucking Tears Are Falling. Yeah. It's like if, if 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 that's if that's the only thing you knew about Kiss, and you heard it on the radio every day, like all you heard is tears are falling, and then one day you hear fucking Parasite, nice. you know, you're like, holy <laughs> shit, there's a whole another side to this band that I didn't fucking know, and th and that's what it was with this. It was like, it's like a fucking uh, a, a new toy on Christmas. And that's how it was, man. I was really, I was like, oh, fuck, whatever, to shut Ralph up. Okay, we're going to review this album. And then I hear this song, and I'm like, I shut you up. Yeah, <laughs> you fucking shut me up, dude. It was, it was so good. It was so just true blue rock and roll fucking rhythm. And, and, and the shit that I really love at my core is like just, good rhythm and blues and that and that's this you know and I, I was so happy and I, I don't know why this didn't catch me on the first listen because I've had this album for whenever this edition came out and listened to it once and put it away and didn't think about it but it took to Ralph said okay we're gonna do this one I was like alright <laughs> and I hear this and I was just like fucking magic you know it's fucking it's it's how rock and roll should be you know with yes, a little but with, with a little yep. southern tinge and, and and i love it great track i love how the late great leon wilkinson starts this off with yep. that nasty grooving bass riff and this song is 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 it has these rich musical textures with that tambourine making it so sweet to my ears, you know, and the addition of the three f female back vocals works so perfectly on this song. Yeah. With, you know, and it balances it out with the nasty guitar riff, soulful vocals by Ronnie telling it how it is 
to be a road dog with Skinner to get what they, uh, you know, what they are. You know, they, they, it's just no bullshit. That's all I hear is no bullshit. It's just so pureness. And it just, like, every single member, you know, you can say this about every song on this album. Every <laughs> single member is doing their part to make this a vibe. Not perfect, but a vibe. And that yet, it comes out perfect, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, I love it. The next track wasn't on the original version. Uh, Simple Man. Right. Uh, these lyrics are so easy to understand and holds true to the great Ronnie Van Zant. you know? Forget your lust for the rich man's gold. All that you need is in your soul. And Ronnie listened because when that badass walked out on stage, he did it with bare feet. He never yeah. wore shoes. You know, and, and, and you know, by the time he, this time he was rolling in money, you know, he, he just did not lose sight in the important things in life. That to me is a real rock star, not some makeup plastered Aquanet pretty boy. Ronnie sang songs like a man. <laughs> this song screams, but uh, being real and to live a simple life that then you know, and then you have the band to match those lyrics with this music that, you know, would make the Terminator cry, man, like a bitch, because, you know, it's just so beautifully delivered, and I cannot express anymore how much I love Simple Man. It's just a beautiful ballad, and uh, and and it's very heartfelt, and it's it's kind of like, hey, man, uh, telling you, hey, man, if you live your life this way, you'll be happier. And that's how I feel about Simple Man. Uh, what do you think, uh, Brian? Yeah, this, this is a case where I, I think I like the live version actually better than the studio version. And uh, and, and Ralph said it wasn't include, included on the original release back in, in 76. And I'm pretty sure the first time I heard this was on the box set. Um, and then eventually it was included on this. I think it was also in the compilation Legend. Um, but I'm not sure. Uh, but wait, again, what can you say about the song? It's one of Skinner's finest. Beautiful, beautiful song. It, it's my favorite ballad from a band that has amazing ballads. And this is, uh, I think it's a perfect song. The lyrics are beautiful. The riffs still give me goosebumps. When I hear like the dun 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 dun, dun like, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah it's yeah, so the good. The whole band coming in oh. after the little mellow part. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome, man. It's, awesome. It, it's, it's uh, spine tingling. A amazing song. I never, I never get tired of it. What do you think, Ian? Uh, this is one I never want to fucking hear again. <laughs> uh, but I, I will not deny uh, the genius that is a song. I mean, I, I, I think it's, it is a gorgeous song. And uh, But one thing I will disagree upon, uh, I prefer the studio version to this version. And, and you're not going to hear that a lot for this album because a lot of these, like, I think, like, ooh, that's the definitive. I, I think the studio version is better, but you have to understand this is a song that for years and years I heard multiple times, five days a week. And it's just lost its magic to me and, and, and I'm mad about that I'm I'm, I'm mad about because there's certain songs like you get robbed of well what do you think of the next one Whiskey Rock and Roller oh my god Ooh, <laughs> what a fucking treasure trove this was because this is one I had no idea what album is this on 
Nothing fancy. Nothing fancy. Nothing fancy. Okay, get an album I didn't have. When I heard this one, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is a dirty goddamn good rock and roller. And, uh, oh, man, I, I, I really dug this one because it it kind of... It, it, it's it's like southern rock and roll, but there's also something it borrows from European version of the blues, which I love. Like, like you know, like Cream and Savoy Brown. I, I love what the English did to American blues. Humble Pie. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. I think it's fucking amazing. And I love what they did because it was a whole different kind of take on it. And that's definitely, like, my preference if I'm going to go there. Like, okay, I get that. But there's a little bit of that, but there's also a lot of bit of homegrown fucking southern rock and roll on this. And and I, I dig it. And, and most of all, what I love is it was just fresh to me. It was just like, oh, this is a goddamn good rock and roll song that I didn't hear fucking every day for fucking months on end uh really dug really dug uh whiskey rock and roller man what do you think Brian? yeah so you kind of nailed it It, it's a good time rock and roll song uh it's got a great boogie woogie uh kind of uh piano playing it's kind of like jerry lee lewis almost from billy billy powell on this and uh fabulous barroom boogie It's, it's it's infectious the chorus is terrific and I really like the use of the female back, backup singers on this one. I, I think they shine on it. It's a great track to drive to. Great open road song. Yeah, it, it's really a good track. Yeah, not, not, not many chick, not many bands can pull off the female vocal. Agreed. Know. Yeah. Uh, but it did, you know, it did complement this. And yeah, this is a song of who Ronnie was, man. A whiskey rock and roller. And this is, yeah, definitely serious boogie woogie rock and roll in here. And Ronnie is like the Southern rock version of Bon Scott, and you can hear it a lot in his song. Yeah. You know, he was not like any front man. He would not move to the music. He would he would just stalk the stage like a lion. No fancy moves. He just stood there and got the point across. All he knows is to hit the fucking bottle and rocking around the planet is pretty much what he's saying in his song. And the only time he is satisfied is being on the road. Yep. And, and he was out there uh, away from his wife, giving all his love to the music he performed. I absolutely love this. Uh, th- love that about this band and the groove on this whole album. And uh, um, Ian, here's a cue for you. You ready? Okay. This is a personal favorite of Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. <laughs> all right. I'll take the next one. My favorite track off the album, Needle and Spoon. Nice. Better than the studio version. I love the studio version. And I love how he goes, brother, when he, <laughs> when he goes into the song. Uh, singing how it's like to be a heroin junkie. You can tell he's been around junkies in his life. Putting the warning of smack perfectly to pen to paper with this hard driving tune and that nasty guitar solo with the waz that Kurt can only fucking dream of making it that passionate, Kurt Hammett. Sweet guitar. I love how you said that. Yes. Uh, it's so cool, dude. I cannot express how much I love a needle and spoon, especially this version. 
And yeah. it's not my favorite Leonard Skinner song, but it's definitely my favorite Leonard Skinner song off this album. I mean, there's a song on here that I like more than this song, but I don't like it more than on this album. I think this is uh, this performance of this song shines over every fucking and believe me, they shine the whole goddamn album. So yep. that says something about this song. What do you think of the song, Brian? Yeah, Needle in the Spoon to me kind of sounds like the brother of Searching. Um, same kind of laid back type of groove and, and you nailed it. The Wawa guitar solo is, is great on this one. It actually reminds me of something that Cream would do, you know, the Eric Clapton Eric Clapton's band. Uh, Skinnerd was definitely inspired by 60s bands like The Who and I'm sure they had influence from from Cream and, and Eric Clapton. And again, yeah, no, they did because you know you know what's coming up soon. That's right, that's right. Uh, again, Ronnie waxes poetic on this track about the the dangers of heroin. You know, only like he could he, like he could say, and eventually he nailed the subject again on that smell a year later yeah. um, on Street Survivors. Yeah, great track. Which, by the way, you know that 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 line in that smell when it goes oak tree, you're in my way. You know what that means? No. That uh, Alan Collins uh, crashed oh. into an oak tree. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, so that he wrote right. that about, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. all right, so Needle and Spoon, Ian. Oh, God damn, do I fucking love this. And, uh, you know, you know, a prime example of, uh, yeah, you know, they may be Southern, but, you know, Johnny Van Zant was no stupid fucking peggerwood. He knew the difference between, you know, partying and death. And that's what I love about this. Now, you know, where we differ, I don't know which I prefer more, the studio or this version. I, I love them both. I mean, they're both so good, but they have little nuances that, ooh, I appreciate this on the studio, and ooh, I appreciate this on the live. Um, but first and foremost, to me, it's all about the lyrics. And the, and the delivery and the and the way he sings this and uh, shows me he's nobody's fool. And that's that's what I really dig about the song. You know, it's like you know he's seen a little, he's talked a little, you know, and he's gonna share it with you. And, and whether you take it or not, that's up to you. And and that's something I really respect. You know, he's like. Okay, I've seen this, I've seen that, you know, and after that, if, if this is what you want to do, well, then you're a fucking idiot, you know, and if not, uh, I'll see you at the next concert, you know, kind of thing. I love that about this song. I love his lyrics, I love the delivery, it's a great performance by the band, uh, but again, I'm still not sure this or the studio, it's about what and what, but I love them both. See, uh, Sid Vicious and Kurt Cobain were not Skinner fans, and they paid for it. <laughs> All right, well, I'll take the next one. Give me back my bullets, which, I, you know, I'm kind of torn between a couple other songs, but this is maybe my favorite Leonard Skinner song overall. Uh, but I can see why it was omitted from the uh, original version, because I think the studio version is the definitive version. Oh, interesting. Uh, but this band does no wrong in here. I'm not saying this is a bad performance of it. Even if they can catch the magic of the studio version, they still play uh, a smoking version, I think. I think uh, it's just a killer fucking song overall. But I do, this is, I think this is the only song on the whole thing where I would say the studio version is much better. And 
And the first time I ever heard this was on the box set. Mm, um, yes. The box set brought the scoot, I think, or I know I heard this before I got um, this album uh, on CD. But, uh, and I was like, oh shit, they did give me back my boards that night, you know? But I never really, like, it never really grabbed me like uh, the studio version. But again, it, it's, it does sound great on here. Uh, but that's, you know, I'm just throwing out one little negative thing and explaining why Needle and Spoon is my favorite on here. Because uh, even though I prefer Give Me Back My Bullets as a song, I think it, uh, the Needle and Spoon is like, just shines, man, over even that one. Uh, mm. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, this is one of my favorite rockers in general from the band. Uh, as you said, the, the track wasn't included on the original version. And I'm actually the opposite here. I actually like the live version over the studio track. And I, I think it's only because I, I saw. I think I heard this version first before I heard Give Me Back My Bullets. That's probably so the this is this is on the box set. Then, right? Yes, yes. OK, OK, because I knew I heard it before I had this. Yeah, and the original version, I kind of mentioned when Ian was talking about Give Me Back My Bullets, it's really sludgy. It, it's, yeah. it sounds awesome, but it's sludgy, and it doesn't kind of have that... I, I can't really explain it, but I think if you hear it and you compare, it's uh, you, you can definitely hear the difference. But, uh, again, I love Ronnie Swagger on this, on this track. It's a great, funky song, but it's heavy at the same time. Really crunchy guitars, and, and they're perfect. The tone is so great. It's a great song, great fucking song. It makes Ian. me, it makes me wonder, uh, the people that were around before Kiss Alive going, you know, I like, I like fucking hotter than hell more than that Kiss Alive version. Right. I don't, I like Parasite more on Hotter Than Hell than Kiss Alive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause, that's, uh, I yeah. Because I never, I didn't, I heard Give Me Back My Bullets for I guess a good twenty years before mm -hmm. I heard the live version. It was always one of my favorite songs. So I guess that kind of like probably why I'm biased. Sure. Alright, Ian. Well, I can say anybody who's heard this album says The Elder Sucks. <laughs> uh, you know, because that's rock and roll and the other shit's like bullshit. Baggity, fucking nervous, million problems. Um, hey, hey, and also bring up the fact that people re rewrite history on Future of the Night. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, I, I, I love this song, but I'm kind of in the middle of both of you on, the, on this one because there's parts that I love about the fucking studio uh, this happens to be like in my top I would say top 7 all time I fucking love this song and I, I love the original and I love the mix on it I think it's dirty and it's awesome but uh, there's also something about the live version of this that uh just sounds urgent you know what i mean it, it sounds like they had to do it and they had to do it this way and um man i you know i i dig it and be, being that's one of my favorite skinner songs to hear it played in this atmosphere absolutely love it great yeah. trip all right um brian why don't you take tuesday's gone all right uh again this was on the the debut album it was pronounced winner and skinner absolute classic it's not my favorite ballad from the band that actually goes to either simple man or the ballad of curtis low but i understand why people would call this their favorite skinnered ballad it's hello perfect, it's a perfect drinking song and, and i probably hear this at bars more than any other skinnered song and um you know it's funny because i never really noticed the subtle harmonica touches on this version until i re-listened to the album just just to kind of prepare 
again for it. And uh, the liner notes say it's some guy that named Sam McPherson. And uh, he had a few credits with the Marshall Tucker band, but that was about it. And uh, again, great backup uh, job by the, the singers, the backup singers. And they're subtle, but really well done. This is, uh, this is one of Skinner's classics. Oh, yeah. My favorite Skinner ballad. I think it's beautiful in every way. That beautiful guitar by Rossington in the beginning and, you know, the middle sections. Uh, the way Ronnie sings this is just so beautiful. And again, not a trained voice doing this. Just mm-hmm. a real man pouring his emotions all over this song. As well as uh, Gary just hitting every note on the guitar string. Uh, it's like it hits my heartstrings, you know. My, you know, my favorite is, is the final lines when when uh, Ronnie goes, Train roll on, yeah. on, my baby's gone. Riding that train, the way he ends it, like with that, mm, which is yeah. like you know, normally you'd like, <coughs> it's it's not, it's it's weird to explain. Like normally when I hear like a voice that gives me chills, it's very well trained and it hits the perfect part. But he's just doing it like, oh my god, it's just like pure emotions and. Dude, I love the Allman Brothers, but these fans that say that, you know, ah, Skinner sucks, Allman Brothers rule, fuck you, man. You haven't heard this shit, you know? It's like the way he fucking delivers that final line in the song. Um, That's why, you know, I made it a point when I toured uh, to go to Jacksonville. I had to go to Ronnie's grave, you know? I had to pay my respects, you know, because because of shit like this, you know? It spoke so much to me as a child, you know, and as an adult. I mean, I never, ever, you know, unlike Ian, man, uh, uh, one song on here, I will agree with Ian 100% as far as overplayed, and I can't take it. But, mm-hmm. man, I've heard Tuesday's Gone and Simple Man and Freebird and all this shit a billion times, and I'll still fucking, I, I never get, I never get tired of it. And this is one of those songs that, Oh, it's like my favorite ballad from them. And I just love everything about it. And it's one of those where I will say this version is not better than the original, uh, the studio version, but the studio version is not better than this one. I think they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're in par. What do you think, uh, Ian? Uh, that's one of those I never want to fucking hear again. <laughs> uh, I, I, I do love the song and I respect the song. I, I have great admiration but I think it's a perfect awesome song um but it's just killed for me dude it's just one of those like uh <laughs> do you want to do give me three steps oh oh my god this motherfucker oh never want to hear it again never I love it uh but it is one I'll give I'll give Ian a little uh, uh I'll agree a little bit with Ian here cause this is a song that you know how he says. I mean, what he said about Tuesday's Gone. I know it's awesome, but you know it's like yeah. I heard it enough where it's like. Eh. Yeah. So here, here I will agree with you, even though I don't hate it as much as another one coming up. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, but you know, I want to tell you guys the story of I went to Jacksonville, and uh, I went to the Jug. The place is still there. You know, I was cutting a rug at a place called the Jug. And uh, I went there with my band and the bartender, uh, this older, older lady, not bad looking, took a picture with me and the bass player and uh, took off her shirt. 
Nice. Yeah. So we're 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 standing in jug with this girl topless, like you know, with her arms around us. I had a bigger uh, dick than Ralph. Uh, <laughs> well, I had bigger tits than her, though. <laughs> you uh, sure? It's it's not it's not much different than the bar uh, under the place that you live in. It's kind of like the same. It right. looks kind of the same, you know. Uh, except they they have this backyard part uh, with a stage, and they invited us, you know, because it was so cool how they were with us. Because up up there, there there's that Southern hospitality of fucking rules. And you know, I, I I got long hair. Maybe they don't know I'm a spick, and that's why they treat me good. Uh, but they were like, y'all boys should come play here, you know, because we were explaining, yeah, we're on the road. And I even gave the, you know, when that girl took off her shirt, I gave her a Thrasher Die shirt, you know. Here, you can have a shirt to wear, you know. <laughs> and uh, later when we went to the hotel, like I got her number and everything, and we were trying to invite her to come by so we can all gangbang her. Uh, but she never came. Oh. But, uh, yeah, it sucks. Give her but, three uh, steps. Yeah. But, uh, uh, a- anyway, um... If I ever form a Southern rock band, I'll, I'll get back at them. You know, I want to play there. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but um, it's a killer drinking song, you know, I'm tired of. You know, trying to, to pick up another man's chick. Yep. And this big-ass guy, this big-ass motherfucker wants to kick Ronnie's ass. And this song is based on a true story. That's right. And Ronnie uh, loved to fight, but he ain't stupid. Nope. You know, so uh, he he saw this big ass dude that was gonna fucking you know, hey there, fellow with your hair color, yeah, uh, you know. That's funny. a guy I used to work with. He said this song always reminded me or, or reminded him of me, <laughs> but he misunderstood the lyrics, and he said I always thought it said, "Hey, fat fellow with the hair colored yellow." And I was, <laughs> I was like, "Hey, hey." He goes, no, but it reminds me of you. You know, you're a little chunky. He's like, hey, fat fellow with the hair colored yellow. I'm like, no. That's not what it says. But I love it. Did you talk about it, uh, Brian? No. um, And I I get why Ian thinks this, but I, you know, I still love it. It's a classic Skinner groove. It's like this and Whiskey Rock and Roller. It's kind of nasty. The natural siblings to my ears um, great subtle honky-tonk piano in the background and and some great southern rock riffage ronnie's got his swagger and it's all over this this the lyrics on this one and it's it's one of skinner's most beloved songs and, and rightfully so and but i get what the burnout factor uh for some reason the live version sounds a bit thin to me but uh, it still sounds great but it's just, uh, you know I'm, what yeah i i forgot to mention that uh and i forgot even while doing this review I prefer the studio version in this version. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that is true. Well, you what do you me? think of the next one? Call yeah. Me the Breeze. So this was originally on, on Second Helping, and, and look, I love the hits as much as anyone, but I think this is my all-time favorite Skinner song. And interestingly enough, it's not my favorite track on this album, but I love the blues, and I love old rock and roll, and this is a throwback to those days, and such an amazing, like, just rocker that I never get sick of. It, you know, if this track comes on when I'm driving, I'm automatically going like 20, 20 miles an hour faster. I absolutely love this song. I'm kind of surprised that Aerosmith never covered this song because it, to me, it kind of fits their 1970s swagger. And in any case, I adore this song. It, and it features my favorite piano solo from Billy Billy Powell on any Skinner track. And he just rips on this on this song. And yeah, I can't speak, in, speak more highly of uh, Call Me The Breeze. All right, Ian? Well, I mean, you want to talk about fucking Skinner songs that are way, way overplayed. 
this is one of them. But if you want to talk about Skinner tracks that are way overplayed that I never get sick of, then this is it. Oh my <laughs> god. Call me the breeze. Oh my god. I never, ever, ever get tired of this. The live version is great. What's better, the studio or the live? I, I don't know. I gotta give I gotta give a little bit of a nod to this version because it just has a little bit more sense of urgency to me. Uh, but oh my god, call it breeze. Oh my god, what a great fucking song. Absolutely love it. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you, dude. I, I actually I love the studio version. But I, I, I'm more partial to this one. It's a cover song. Yeah. Uh, yeah, by J.J. who also wrote Cocaine. That's right. But it does. I, but I heard the J.J. Kale, and it doesn't have that riff. You know, mm. the... You know, call me the breeze. It's different. Like, I don't know. Maybe another band after J.J. Kale wrote those riffs and Skinner did a version of them. Because we have a cover coming up where I know they took the riffs from the person that covered it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, but JJ Kells from like Minnesota, so it's like I'm saved because I'm white. Who gives a fuck? You know? yeah. But this one's got a little bit more urgency. But yeah. this fucking kicks ass. And, and yeah. believe it or not, down here it's played now and then on the radio, not that much. Yeah. The studio, the studio version. I do yeah, hear I it, but not a lot. Yeah. yeah, not not a lot. Uh, it's a, still a kick-ass, you know. I, I, I love this song, but it's, yeah, like I said, it's not really uh, overplayed. Unlike the next song, which I know it's going to sound crazy coming from me. I never liked Sweet Home Alabama, ever. I never liked it. I Even back in the day, I always thought, uh, it's not a good Skinner song. And it is pretty much, along with Freebird, the most popular Skinner song. Yeah. Um... Overplayed, and, but you know, I never been a fan of this one. A, a bit too country bumpkin for me musically. I love the lyrics though. In it, it, it's uh, his retaliation to Neil Young, Southern man. Oh wait, but, Ralph, did you did you skip T for Texas? Oh, I did, didn't I? All right, well let me finish this. So oh then, sure, sure. And then you take T for Texas. I'll end it. You know. Okay. Cool. Um, uh, this is where. Uh, um, or where was I? But at the same time, you know, Ronnie did love Neil Young. He was a big Neil Young fan. You know, he would wear Neil Young shirts on stage many times. Yeah. And he did say in the in the live version, there are good people in Alabama. Let Mr. Young know that too. Yeah. You know? But the music is whatever. I hate to bash it because I love yeah, this but, guy. Yeah, but people in Alabama are like, fuck that. We hate beggars. Yeah, I know. But not not all people. That's that's his point on this. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, his point is, all right, don't don't judge everybody by the you know, uh, the the, the racist. You know, and uh, I I gotta be like Ronnie and be real about this song. I, I don't like this song. Man. All right. Uh, well, hold on. We're going Texas. Uh, T for Texas. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Do you want me? You want me to do that? Yeah. Go for it. Okay. Yeah, T for Texas, Blue Yodel, number one. This is actually my favorite track on the album. And and that might seem weird because Call Me the Breeze is my favorite Skinner song, but this uh, I album... I think we, we got something in common here. Give yeah. me back my bull's uh, needle and spoon. There you go. 
however, this is the only album you're going to hear this version of uh, T for Texas from Skinner. It just smokes. And Johnny Van Zant references their new guitarist on this track, yes, which was yes. Steve Gaines. And he says, God damn, that boy is funky. And, and he is right, because that intro, the intro riffs are so good. And then the song just comes crashing in. And it's got a real classic ZZ Top feeling to it with the slide guitar work. And I adore Skinner's version of this song, and it's over eight minutes, but it just flies, and I just want more and more and more. And this is this song's a guitar fan's dream. So many yes. tasty licks all over, and, and oh, the guitar yeah. battles, and it's so good. And, and then you also get Billy Powell comes in and does a, a tremendous piano solo after the guitar bell, ba- uh, battle. You know, I can't speak more highly of this song, and to me, it's the centerpiece of the album, and that's amazing considering this album is a wealth of riches when it comes to yeah. hit songs on it. I, I love this song. Ian? Uh, I fucking love this song. Oh my god, this is good. And and a great workout for Steve Gaines. Yes. So, so sad that, you know, he didn't get enough time to shine. I think he, he proved what he could do on Street Survivors. Uh, I, I love this. And, and for people in Alabama, go fuck yourself. Fuck you, <laughs> Brits. Uh, this is a there, great there goes our There goes our two listeners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure those two sisters are very mad at me. And you know uh, and, you, and you know what they're doing. They're like, holy shit. Hey, Cleotis, they're doing Skinner this week. Woo-hoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then, they hear, then they hear Ian. <laughs> Holy well, dog shit! Well, they're mad. We got a guy from fucking San Francisco on the show. Well, that's anyway, true. So. That's yeah. You're gonna you're gonna. But you're gonna get California listeners now, so you can't lose. Yeah, no, hey. no. That's where it's. That's all I care about. I, <laughs> I, I I just want liberal, like fucking, you know, transgender, neutral, <laughs> fucking, uh, you know. That's why I'm on. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Those people got money. You know. <laughs> Well, I just yeah. want to say that I think there's good people in Alabama, and the Vieira Vault is my other podcast. <laughs> You're welcome there. Damn good movie memory. Hey, if wow. you ever want to have a threesome with your sister, I'm down. <laughs> oh, I think I just lost. Yeah, one. I, I know. I, I love that. I, I'm I'm the fucking liberal guy, but you know who doesn't? Who loves numbers? And you don't care, but you're you're sucking up to these fucking inbred motherfuckers. Well, it's because yeah, I want to bang their sister with them. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I I care about numbers when it comes to vagina. The more <laughs> vagina, the better. Like a man. Like a man. <laughs> All right. So I already talked about Sweet Home Alabama. So okay. uh, Ian. Yeah. Okay, Sweet Home Alabama. Oh my God. I see this coming up Twelfth Avenue. Oh my God, do I never, ever, ever want to hear this fuck? Hey, fuck. I got a question, Ian. Did you ever like it though? Uh, maybe for a second. I don't know. I mean, I, I never it. did. Even as a kid, I never liked it. Huh. But uh, the the one thing, you know, like doing research for it, the one thing I did like is I. You know, when I was doing research, uh, listening to the lyrics, I found like a little play on words that I didn't necessarily get, and uh, and, and I, I found that very interesting, and it gave me great respect for Ronnie Van Zant. Uh, 
like, you know, shit where I thought he was being racist, but he actually wasn't. But then you see, like, the response, like, the, the, the casual listening to the song and what they get out of it. Uh, I, I, I think that's what really bothers me. I mean, first and foremost, it's a little bit too country bumpkin for my liking. Uh, you know, exactly that's, what I said. I even and, used that word. And, yeah. and, and and that's my whole thing with Southern rock as a whole. It's a little bit too close to country, which is, is a genre of music I really detest. And and not only do I detest the music, but nine times out of ten, I detest the sentiment behind it. Well, Ian, uh, just to cut you off for a second, just to bring up a point, uh, this is the first time you heard Country Bumpkin on this album, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess Give Me Three Steps a little bit, too. Uh, yeah. Well, well, I would say Give Me Three Steps is a little bit more Country Bumpkin musically, uh, yeah. where this song is... is, is oh, yeah, all around, yeah. Yes, yeah. All, all, all around. Uh but when I was doing research, and I, I, I almost have the lyrics, uh, you know, there's parts where, like, Johnny's saying, well, this is what I mean, uh, but it fell on deaf ears. But at the same time, it's like, I've got to be realistic. I know a lot of motherfuckers that love this song. And I know motherfuckers that love this song up north. I know motherfuckers that love this song up south. I know what they get out of it. Uh, and and I can't fault Johnny Van Zant because as an artist, he's doing what he's doing, and and he's doing his own interpretation. But you know, music is art, and people get different shit out of it. But I know what people want out of the song, and they want a certain fucking hatred and bullshit that I don't think Johnny Van Zant ever intended. I think he intended the opposite. I think there's a lot of play on words and, and there's a lot of clever lyrics where he's like, I want you to hear this, but I want you to think this. And I think that's my problem with Leonard Skinner. I, th I think Johnny Van Zant is a lot smarter than his fan base is. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, know. well, well, yeah, I, I could be wrong, but I kind of think the part where he says, in Birmingham, they love the governor. Boo, boo, boo. Right, and right. I, I, I believe the governor was a racist or something like that. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, oh, he was, he was a huge racist. Yeah. Wallace was a huge racist. So people but, refused to hear that part. But, right. but, but even, even, even Van Zandt said, he goes, most people don't understand the boo boo boo. They just hear like boo woo woo. Right. They think you it's know, just a backup. Yeah. Yeah, like a pro thing where he was saying, uh, you know, his whole thing, like he loved Deep Young. He loved Neil Young, but he's like, hey, you're judging all of us by the acts of certain people. So in that lyric, what Johnny Van Zandt said he was saying is like no, we don't like Wallace. We try to did what we could do. You know, it's in the lyrics. And but but then it goes back to, you know, we all love the governor, you know, and blah blah blah. Uh, and he meant as sarcastic. And you know, there there was a point around two thousand twelve where Skinner stopped throwing the fucking rebel flag because they always used to drop that during Freebird. I mean, that was their thing. They would drop the fucking rebel flag 
and you know people go shit house crazy but then they started seeing the world we're living in now where all these horrible fucking racist peckerwood justin childers motherfuckers adopted this shit and they're like hey we don't want to be aligned with that we're just a music fan they we, went they actually went on cnn too to talk about why yeah. they won't do it anymore and yeah that they're not a racist band and that yes. ronnie ronnie love black people you know they, yes. you know we don't want to be so you know in, in a way uh you know, like what you believe about Skinner fans, they pretty much said, you know what? We're going to speak out and say that we're against these fans. Right, but, but, I, but I'm saying, I, I believe in the band. I don't believe in their fans. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying. You know, that's like, you know, hey, look, look at the lyrics to Black Sabbath. Uh, uh, when he says, you know, would you like to see the Pope on the end of the rope, you know? It, it, it's not like fucking anti-Christian. It's not devil worship music. But think no, it's about it's actually it. a pro-God song. Exactly, yeah, exactly. After exact, exactly. But but be real with yourself. Be honest and think about how many metal fans listen to that and are like, yeah, fuck God. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I love devil. You know, and shit like that. Ronnie Van Zant was way too smart to think this way. But you've got to look at the majority of the fucking inbred idiots that love me. Uh, I don't have to look at that. I, I, I look at the way Skinner is... I, I'm smarter than that. I see what no, they're saying. I, no, I know, know? I know. I know you... But, but I mean, I mean, seriously, think about other people that you know that listen to that. And think about how many people, like, even listen to our show, you know, that, that, that don't see you as a color. You know, that don't see you as a, a, a Cuban. You know, but if they found out their sister was fucking a Cuban guy, would lose their fucking minds. And that's gonna happen too. <laughs> this no, motherfucker's banging their sister. I'm, I'm, I'm saying that. You think about how many fucking white women you fuck as a Cuban. More than Cubans, I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. I, I haven't fucked that many Cuban chicks. Exactly. And what I'm saying is like, but, but because. Because you're Doctor Fuck, because you're this, because you're that, they, you know, you, you know, you supersede color, you supersede this. Well, I, I'm not. But, I, but dude, if, it, I, if, if it came down to like you were just a Cuban guy fucking their sister, they'd lose their fucking mind. Yeah, because I go, I, I here, I live in you know, uh, northern Cuba, and every time I go to Publix or anywhere to buy something, the cashier who, who obviously doesn't speak much English. Will say, will talk to me in English. Uh, a thirteen forty-five, because they think I'm 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 American. You know right. what I mean? That's why I get more American girls. Right. Uh, which you, which you are, you're American. You are American. Yeah. yeah. Well, I am American, but you know right. I'm Cuban blooded. Sure. You know? Sure. Right. Right. But, I'm more American than you, Ian, because I was born <laughs> here. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying though is, I know you are what a true American is. You are the truest of it. I mean, your your family came here to build they a installed life. They installed the values to yes. appreciate and love this country. You, yeah. you are the American dream, but you know, there's a lot of fucking goddamn fucking Leonard Skinner fans that will be like, oh yeah, Dr. Fuck's awesome, and they find out you're Cuban, like, don't fuck my sister, you know? Well, too late, buddy. Yeah, hey, no, uh, no, I, 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 I get that, but I'm saying... Don't, don't be ignorant to the fact that this band attracts 
a lot of ignorant mother. Well, you know, my, my point is, look, I'm, I'm Cuban-blooded. I have two Cuban parents. I'm in a Cuban family. If that offends you, I would consider it an honor if you stopped listening to us. You know, that's how I look at it. Fuck you. Get away. I don't care. You know, I don't care if you're fucking uh, whatever the fuck you are. I don't give a fuck. You know, because for every black guy doing something shitty, there's a white guy doing some shitty. There's a Cuban guy. Every fucking race has the same amount of fucking dick weeds. Okay, maybe blacks a little more because of the economic problems, but that has nothing to do with blacks. Yes, their right. environment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I've, I've always said that. I mean, this is like the true test of how you can tell. That people like, oh, stop crying about the black shit and stuff like that. But like, okay, say your daughter gets raped by a black dude. Okay, everybody's like, oh, fucking niggers, you know, god damn it, you know, all this shit. And then say, say you're the same daughter gets raped by a white guy. You're not going to be like, oh, fucking white people. I hate fucking white people. You know, no, you're just going to say that asshole. So that's how... Uh, well, yeah, of course, because right, uh, right. they're, they're so, from the same race and they're ignorant. Right. But that's what I'm saying. That's why you can't say there's not a difference. And and, and you can't say there's not an equality problem. I, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, that should break it down to everybody because if something happened, you know, you know, be it whatever, if, if a black guy did it, you're going to be like, fucking niggers. You know, if a white guy did it, you're going to be like, oh, well, that sucks. I'll kick his ass. But you're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to kill every fucking honky I see, you know? And, and, and that's the shit that lets me know, like, how fucked up we are as a society. And, and you can't deny that this is a band that is loved by fucking, fucking redneck fucking racist. But to me, uh, I, I don't get that from them. Because when I listen to these lyrics, I understand that they're smarter than that. But this bullshit fucking racism, I cannot stand because half you fucking cocksuckers would not show decent respect to my co-host. Because he's fucking Cuban. <laughs> no, no, I, oh, but I don't care. You no, know. no, 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 no. I'm dead serious about that, though. I'm very serious I, about I ain't that. Got, I ain't got time for ignorance. They, they can hate me all they want. It ain't gonna, it ain't gonna stop me from fucking their sister. <laughs> no, I know, but you don't understand because you're not a spick because you're on the fucking radio, and 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 you're on a fucking podcast. But if you were just Joe Blow from fucking, uh, you know, goddamn fucking Kokomo fucking Cuba, they'd be like, fuck this motherfucker. And that's the shit I, I ain't got no time for, dude. Yeah, here's, a funny, here's a funny thing I want to say. Um, you know me. You know me well. You know I'm not a racist. I'm not racist in any way. But if I was to be a racist in my experience, in my life, I'd be racist against my own people. After the Mariel Boatlift, if I had to pick a race I didn't like, it'd be Cuban people. And and the newer Cuban people that were raised by degenerate fucking scumbags that, that are very rude to me when I visit Hialeah, my hometown. Uh, but I'm not racist toward because I have my mom, my dad, my brother, and a lot of my family members who yeah. I love dearly. And they're good, hardworking American people. They're American because they contribute to society and to my dad being born in Cuba, I consider a fucking American because he has pumped money into this country and, yep. and made himself a good life. 
To, to me, he's and he's an American citizen. It's not easy being an American citizen. I don't know if you're aware of this shit. Like Ralph gets a pass. Oh, because, I guess because he is a, a internet sensation. He is a YouTube sensation. He is a podcast sensation. He's a fucking thrash sensation. It's ridiculous, and 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 I don't think it's fair just to throw it on white people. There's racists in every race, of course. You know. Oh yeah, but uh, but I mean, I mean, we gotta, you know. Let's not sugarcoat the shit either. That's the thing. You know, I'm you not can't... sugarcoating anything. I think there's racism right across the board in every race. Yeah. You know, I just think that the white people, it's more, it's more uh, appealing to bash whites' as race because of the whole slavery thing. But the whole thing is, uh, who the fuck was alive during slavery? Now, don't blame the white guy. Uh, oh, you, you, you did, you, you brought me here. Uh, that guy had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? He, yeah, he was born no, way no. after slavery. Well, without that, let's get into fucking Freebird. Well, I still well, got to talk about uh, Sweet yeah, Home yeah, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right, yeah, yeah. Talk about Sweet Home Alabama. So, you know, I grew up in, obviously, the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. My friends love Skinner. You know, we're not from the South, but it didn't matter. Cause it was all about the music. We understand what he was talking about. Um, you know, we like Skinner. We like Credence. We like all those types of bands. And, and you know, I, I realize people are sick to death of Sweet Home Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama. It's still a fucking classic. It's one of the most iconic opening riffs in rock history. And, you know, guitarists often say that they, they learned Smoke in the Water first, but I'm guessing they also learned Sweet Home, Alabama. Sweet Home Alabama. It's right up there, too. You know, non-rock fans know this song and love this song. I get why, you know, purists are sick of it. Um, but I, I'm still not sick of it. I And I probably should be, but, you know, I hear the opening riff, I hear Turn It Up, and I'm hooked like it's the first time I heard it. So, you know, I, I think it's one of the, the best rock songs ever. And, yeah, you know, definitely. Def- Brian's definitely a racist. <laughs> yeah. Enough about this Cuban apologist. Ralph, what do you think about Crossroads? You, you notice Brian's tone toward me uh, went away when you actually told him I was Cuban? <laughs> I know, right? All right, jokes are over. I love Brian. I'm just making funnies. He put on the kid gloves. He was I like, know. oh, really? <laughs> really? He's Cuban? Oh, shit. <sighs> Crossroads. Ralph, what do you think? Great version of a cream version of a Robert Johnson song. That's right. I love, I, you know, I'm not the biggest cream fan, though I do like a song here and there. But boy, that live version they do of Crossroads of wherever the fuck it's from that my friend Carlos Guti played me in the car is a fucking smoking version. Yep. And that's pretty much, because if you listen to Robert, Robert Johnson, it doesn't have that. No, not at all. You know, it's, it's Skinner covering Creed. You yeah. know? Uh, and, and, and Skinner did it their way with that Southern Swamp music infection. Uh... This this where the late Steve Gaines shines too, just like on T for Texas. Yeah. Did I talk about T for Texas? Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I, you, you said fuck Cubans and it's a great song. Exactly, you know. <laughs> and all, all and all three are smoking on this track. Uh, well, Leon, Lee, if you listen closely, Leon's laying down this sick bass during the solo. Yeah. It's so like I mean, he comes in here and there. Doing this really cool shit on on the bass, I think I think he he may have been um, uh, uh, Steve Gaines may have been uh, the technically their best guitar player, uh, uh, just like the guy who we replaced Ed King. Yeah. Uh, b- uh, and both uh, had that technicality and emotion in their playing, 
which to me is a total package, like Gary Moore. You know, you can shred, but you can shred with emotion. And Steve Gaines and Ed King were capable of doing that, you know, and I really love that. And I love this version. It's great. I, I think I dig it a lot. Uh, what do you think, uh, Brian? Yeah, it, like you said, many bands have covered this this Robert Johnson classic. I mean, he wrote this back in the 20s, so you're definitely going to hear a more updated version, whether it be Cream or, or Skinner. And uh, Skinner's version definitely here stands up with the best of them, and uh, it's definitely an homage to the Cream version. And Ronnie, to me, even kind of sounds a bit like Clapton on this with his vocals. So right. always love this song, and I, I think it fits nicely uh, on this album, and it's another reason to own the album, because you won't hear it on any other you won't hear it on any studio albums and you won't hear it on any other Skinner live albums so what do you think Ian uh I, I think Skinner ripped off those pasty white motherfuckers from Europe uh <laughs> cream uh yeah you guys you know both said like you know this isn't the Robert Johnson version this is the fucking cream version yeah but I will go on record of saying that this is my goddamn favorite version of this song uh, and, and and you hit on a very important version. He does sound like Clapton on this one, mm-hmm. but I don't know. There's just a little something I can't put my fingers on. This is my favorite version that I've ever heard of Crossroads, and and no disrespect to Robert Johnson. Uh, but I mean, I grew up on the Cream version, but when I heard this, I was like, oh my god. There's just something, there's just a little something I can't put my finger on. My white privileged finger on. Uh, but like I, your, uh, not Enough of your girlfriend. You can't uh, put your fingers on her tonight, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. That's, that's where I was going at. I wasn't insulting her. I was insulting your lack, lack of sexual sex tonight. But then again, you're so fucking polluted, you can't get it out. You got whiskey dick. Whiskey at Rock-A-Rolla. Yes, I'll take that one. Uh... <laughs> But no, this is my favorite version I've ever heard of this song. I, I, I think they fucking nail it. Something special uh, that once I heard this, I was like, oh, fuck. This is the definitive, definitive version of Crossroads to me. I love it. Cool. Oh, yeah. Who wants to take the last one? <laughs> I'll do it. Uh, Freebird. You know, it's it's... It's like Sweet Home Alabama, and what can you say about this song that hasn't already been covered? Um, it is probably one of the most iconic songs in history, and it's the most cliche-ridden rock titles in history, and every concert you go to, some fucking schmuck will yell out Freebird. It, it's, and why? Yeah. Because because of this album. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think all the schmuck. I think the schmucks that yell out Freebird today probably never heard this album. But it stemmed from it because the people that originally yelled Freebird at concerts were people that were aware of this album. Sure, sure. You know, because people would yell, Freebird, Freebird, and then that carried on. And then, you know, the, the schmucks, you know, carried on with that. Yeah, they don't even, they probably don't even know the song, like you said. They're just, they're just yeah. yelling it to be idiots. And it's in every rock fan's DNA. And, and unfortunately, when certain songs become legendary, they take on a life of their own and often get taken for granted. And, and Freebird's one of those songs. But for the live version, I do enjoy how the, the intro kind of starts with a piano rather than just the guitars. It's yes. a little bit different feel of the song. And 
um, that you've heard countless times. And still, the intro lyrics are spine tingling because, especially in light of what happened to the band, it's a it's a timeless song and it'll never be forgotten. And it shouldn't. And and how can you not love the guitar battles at, that end the song? It's just legendary stuff. And I, I will say one thing though. My favorite epic southern rock song is not Freebird, but it's Green Grass and High Tides from The Outlaws. And and we can save that for a later discussion. But yeah, that's, my- that's amazing guitar solo. I saw them open. Guess what show I saw the Outlaws open for? Ooh. Black Sabbath on Mob Rules. No yes. way. <laughs> what, yes, a I, weird, what a uh, weird comment. No, I got I got some friends who saw the same tour, saw the Outlaws that were for Black Sabbath. Yeah, but that, that, Green Grass and Grand High Tides, amazing song, but... But Freebird, it, it's a classic, you know. Like, oh, something else? we forgot to mention about Crossroads. The only, uh, it's not on none of their studio albums. Yes, that's true. Yes. Yeah, we didn't bring that up. Yeah. Another exclusive track on this album. Exactly. All right, Ian, talk about Freebird so I can balance out the love and hate here. All right. Well, this song was originally called Black Cox and Justin Children's Mom's Mouth. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they later changed Black it to Lung Freebird. for short. Black Lung. Yeah, yeah Black Lung uh, for short. Uh, but uh, you know, Justin's mom had no short of black cocks in her. I mean, seriously, uh, you know, she was keeping up with the Kardashians long before it was hip. Uh, but this song it, it is fucking amazing. This is one of those you, you damn near you want to fucking hate on it, you know, because they overplayed factor, but you can't. I mean, this is um, it's a masterpiece. It's, it is a fucking masterpiece. And I truly believe that this version is the definitive version. As much as I love, uh, you know, the one I'm pronounced, Leonard Skinner, uh, I, 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 I think this one has it all and then some. And it's just, I mean, it, to me, it's like a national anthem. I'll take a knee for the national anthem just to piss off Justin Childers' dad. Uh, you know, but I will stand for Freebird. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. This is definitely the definitive version of the song. Uh, funny thing uh, about the studio version. You know how the studio version fades out? Um, I was at a bar one time, and somebody played Freebird on the jukebox. And, dude, it didn't fade out. Mm. I was like, what the fuck? And it even has the ending, and I was like, what the hell? And I walk up to the jukebox, and it's you can hear the full version of Freebird on some comp i don't even own the compilation which i should buy it uh which has that you know that iconic uh baseball with that with the hand around it the lemon skinner thing yeah oh, skinner, some yeah. skinner skinner's innards yeah well, i gotta get that i gotta get that um anyway but i think this is the definitive version of the song uh this is the version that was always played when i was a kid i never heard the studio version hmm. of Freebird on radio ever back then ever it was this one because, uh, you know, now, uh, you know, only the studio version because it's shorter. You know, this is a song I never, ever get tired of. Gary's slide solo is so beautiful. I love when Ronnie says, play it pretty for Atlanta. That shit is so beautiful. I mean, it gives me chills just hearing him say that. That gorgeous piano solo uh, just gives me chills. And, and while he's doing the solo, Gary's doing those little bird noises on his guitar uh, section that section that piano section of the song is a prime example of why I think 70s live albums are the best it's all vibe and then 
at the end with the iconic Alan Collins guitar solo, bringing this mellow song into high gear. Then Rossington and Gaines joining in and they're ripping uh, the fuck out of the guitar. It's a fucking free-for-all at, uh, by this time in the song. And all this time, you know, I can just picture Ronnie, because I've seen video footage. Ronnie, during that part, just standing there and supervising them, you know? But you know that fucker was in awe as well. I bet you every goddamn performance watching these guys, it's just a hell-raising rockets going on. The ultimate showstopper in my book. And the way they would end the song with Ronnie acting as like a conductor, making sure the boys are bringing the climax uh, to this classic ending, you know? It, this is like the ultimate ending of a live album, in my opinion. The greatest ending to a live album. I absolutely love this. And I also want to bring up a point that uh, I, I, I own the movie Freebird, which I highly recommend. Um, and they have them playing this uh, this song um, uh, opening for the Stone Summer. And, dude, when they go into the guitar solo, I, I, I kid you not, I bawled out like a little girl. I started crying so much. because Not the mellow, not the mellow shit, you know, Will You Still Remember Me, which should make me cry. But what made me cry so much, and I, I'm serious, dude, I was crying like crazy. And what made me cry so much, because I'm looking at Ronnie Van Zant, Alan Collins, Billy Powell, and fucking, um, uh, uh Lee, Le, no, no, Leon Wilkinson. Yeah. All of them are gone. Yeah. And I'm watching them doing this magic. And I just started crying how, God, I never got to see this. And look at how amazing these human beings were. And look how much passion and greatness and joy they bring to me and a billion others and, you know, a, like a billion people and nine million and eighty-nine races. But I fucking love Freebird. I will always love Freebird. And when Thrasher Die plays show and if anybody ever yells Freebird, I've done it twice already. I will sing the song. And not only will I sing the song, I will walk down up to that motherfucker and make him sing it with me. Awesome. I have video footage to fucking prove it. That's I awesome. go, if I leave here tomorrow, I go, sing it, dude. You want to hear it? You know, let's give fucking that. You want to hear Freebird? You told the wrong goddamn band, motherfucker, because I will <laughs> fucking sing it, you know? That's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's what I have to say about Freebird. Fucking goddamn epic and the greatest ending to any live album ever. Yep. Well, uh, I, I do. I mean, I mean, I'm torn. I mean, like, sometimes I think this is definitive version, but do, do any of you guys have the re, the uh, remaster of the original of Pronounced Letter Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, well, no, 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 I don't. No. Oh, I only have the vinyl. I only have the vinyl. I never oh, got the CD. Oh, my God. No, no, no. Like, like they did, like, a deluxe remaster of... Uh, I oh. gotta buy all of them. You know, the only CD I own from Leonard Skinner, the only one, is Second Helpings and uh, this live one. That's it. Definitely, well, definitely buy the reissues because they have bonus tracks on them. So. Yeah, yeah, I gotta get them. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you get the original, like pronounced Leonard Skinner, because uh, it comes with a uh, audio and a DVD. But what's awesome is the DVD 
because when they first start going into uh, you know the first opening chords of fucking uh, uh, Freebird uh, then they switch and they go into Sweet Georgia Brown oh and, nice oh my god and then they show all these black guys going up for layups with no <laughs> pants on and they <laughs> shove their cocks into the mouth of Justin Childers' mom just like <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's like all the Harlem Globetrotters are there. It's just like, blah, 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 Dude, I definitely got to get that. I mean, I love oh, porn like that. Oh my Those God. are my favorite type of porn. I oh, hope she I was very petite. Again. Dude, if <laughs> she was petite back then, I would fucking come hard. Oh, that bitch was never petite. Uh, she, oh, was always, she was always a fat piece of shit. But, I mean, I mean, I mean the, 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 the funny thing is, like, you know, like, just when you think, like, she's choking, she grabs him by the ass and pulls him in tighter and just... You know, it's like, if I leave here tomorrow, and there's a bunch of black people like, I ain't going nowhere. You know, uh, this bitch No wonder, it. no wonder every time I saw Pronounced Under Skin that remaster, it was always at Pleasure Emporium. Yeah. I never saw it at a regular store. It was always at one of those sex shops. Yeah. I was like, that's weird, but now I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually, if you get the remaster, it's pronounced April, May, June, Childers. True story. True story. Oh, well, at least we have this as proof when you get murdered, we can throw this at the fucking <laughs> jury, you know? Or, they, or someone burns a cross on your door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want to do Pick a Week, or...? Uh, let me look through my iTunes. Uh, you got one? Go, go for it. Yeah, so I'm going to go with... Um, Endangered Species from 1994, and, that, and this is a the Johnny Van Zant version of the band. And kind of during the late 80s and early 90s, the the acoustic album craze was kind of in a full bore, and even legacy acts like Leonard Skinner were kind of jumping on the bandwagon. But in this case, the Endangered Species album is really well done and offers a different take on Skinner classics, along with some new tunes. And I mentioned in the opening, you know, I I actually saw the band on this tour in 1994, and uh, Pride and Glory opened with Ted Nugent, and uh, Skinner opened the show with about four or five acoustic songs before going into the electric set. And it's still one of the best shows I've been to. You know, they do an awesome cover of Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, they do Down South Jukin. Uh, things going oh, on. Oh, Down South Jukin's one of my favorite Skinner songs. Yeah, so you might want to. That's on uh, first and last. Yes. Yep. And uh, that came out after they died. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so, and there's some new songs on it, too. So if, if you miss yes. if you miss this uh, the first time around, you might want to check it out. It's, it's well, yeah, I, I definitely want to, because I don't even know about it. Yeah, so Endangered Species from 1994. All right, Ian, I'm still looking. All right, my pick of the week is one I just picked up on vinyl, and it blew my fucking mind, because I grew up with, like, you know, a, a, a certain, like, CD uh, remaster, you know, and... That's what you grew up with, like, oh, sounds. Uh, but lately, I've been picking up a lot of the Frank Zappa uh, original remasters on 180-gram vinyl and hearing stuff that I've never heard before. And, uh, you know, a song you played the other night on your new show, which was fucking amazing, uh, I'm the Slime, coming off of Overnight Sensation. Uh, just fucking blew my mind. Uh, the musicality. I mean, Frank Zappa never had anything but the best musicians playing with him. Nice. I got the original pressing of that one. 
Nice. Uh, hand, me, hand me down for my brother. Nice. Um, my pick, and it's very predictable, but fuck it. Uh, but I'm going to pick a greatest hits this time. Uh, Molly Hatchet's greatest hits because um, there are a couple classics that aren't on it, like The Creeper and, uh, you know, God damn it, I can't remember the song off Beating the Odds. And plus, Beating the Odds on here is Danny Joe Brown singing it. Uh, not, uh, I forgot the fat guy's name. But, um, dude, Whiskey Man, Bounty Hunter, Gator Country, Flirting with Disaster, you know, Boogie No More, which is my favorite Molly Hatchet song. And a deep track that made a great assist, which is cool. <laughs> Dreams I'll Never See, yes, I like it more than the Allman Brothers version. Uh, and, uh... A live version of Edge of Sundown, which was actually a song from the Danny Joe Brown band. Uh, and Fall the Peacemaker, which is a song of, you know, John Lennon and uh, uh, Martin Luther King and stuff like that. Uh, it's a great, great, greatest hits. Like all, and I, I think it's a great gateway. Because if you dig that, then I'd really highly recommend you guys check out the first three albums from Breaking... Uh, uh, beating the odds down. The first three Molly Hatchet albums are essential. Hell, I'd really say that's the pick of the week. Buy three albums. But <laughs> if you wanna, if you're, you know, if you're not loaded, uh, get greatest hits because it does pretty much have the best of. This is a legitimate greatest hits, which a couple songs, but you know, the songs that are missing on here, I still say every song that's on here are better than those songs. But those songs are very essential as well. So that is my pick of the week, Molly Hatchet, greatest hits. All right. Well, there you go. Now it's time to go into fan of the week, and fan of this week is uh, is somebody we can't ignore because she is such a uh, important part of the Facebook page, uh, you know, and all the things we talked about she ignores, and that's April May June Childers. This woman will suck anyone's cock. Uh, doesn't care what color you are, religion. You know, circumcised, you know, you could be clean cut, you could be, be an anteater, you know, she doesn't care. She just wants dick in her fucking mouth. And that's Justin Childers' mother, April May June Childers. Uh, yeah, she's come back from the dead, but only to suck cock. Because you know? <laughs> she is a true cocksucker. You know, much like her son, a true <laughs> cocksucker. Yeah, you know, uh, but uh, unlike her son, you know, like I said, she doesn't care what color it is. It's all one Benetton, you know, uh, advertisement to her. You know, black, white, you know, Cuban, Chinese. Hey, know. really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Bam! Yeah, Presbyterian. I don't care. Shove it in her mouth. She's just happy to have a dick in her mouth. That's Justin Childers' mom, April, May, June, Childers. All right. Well, actually, I do have a fan of the week, and I don't believe we've we've uh, had her uh, as fan of the week. And uh, she's super cool, man. She just came out of nowhere. Her name is Heather Drain. You know who I'm talking about? Oh, the yeah. Red... I thought that was she's a friend so... of yours. No, she's not. She's a friend of mine oh. on Facebook now. Oh, okay. Uh, I really like her a lot. She's so cool, you know, and... Uh, you know, and, and she's not one of these, like, remember I had that bad experience with that girl, you know, it's, uh, you know, that we had so much in common. Right. Where this one, it's kind of like, dude, she's just a cool chick. And, uh, and I, I really like her a lot. She's like my favorite new person on Facebook. And, and I noticed she's on the Rock and Metal Combat podcast page. And uh, she, she contributes a lot. She talks a lot. And uh, 
She gives her opinion, so... Yeah, uh, and she's not a whore like Justin Children's mom, who is a total fucking whore. Uh, a, a fucking coal-mining <laughs> cock-sucking whore. Uh, that, that's what I like about Heather. Heather Heather's a good person. She has scruples. And, uh, you know, she has an opinion, and she's a cool chick. And she doesn't just throw herself out there. She's an actual human being. Where Justin Childers' mom is like a total cock-sucking whore. You know, like her son. Uh, I'm sorry, but man, if Heather was more like Justin Childers' mom, I'd like her more. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you know you know what I, how I feel about cock-sucking whores. Yeah, yeah, you feel like, hey, hey, where's Justin? Uh, I, I, I am more, uh, I love... I love slutty chicks. I just love it. But I love cool chicks like Heather as well, you know? So it goes both ways. But, yeah, Heather Drain, uh, hopefully she hears this episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, hopefully you're a cocksucking whore. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, yeah, that's my fan of the week. So what do you say we get into the plugs? Oh, well, before we get into the plugs, there's one thing we got to do. We got to talk about damn good movie memories. Ah, thank you. Oh, yes, yes. I'm sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't want to be hoodwinked and bamboozled here. Hoodwinked. Yeah. Hoodwinked. Uh, no, but, uh, but Brian, you have such a quality show. And, uh, man, we appreciate you guesting. And let everybody know where they can hear all your shit that is all about everybody getting their cock sucked, regardless of what color they are. Thank you so much. And again, thank you guys for having me on. And, and definitely check out Damn Good Movie Memories. It's on iTunes. It's on Podbean under damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. And you'll you'll see Ian has two shows, has, uh, two episodes. So you get to hear all the movie talk with Ian. It's excellent. If you love the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, you gotta you got to check out at least those episodes. And if you just like movie talk, um, you're, you're going to love it because... You know, I, I'm guessing with Ian and Ralph on the Vieira Vault coming up, and uh, if you like movies, you should definitely check out Dan. Yeah, don't judge it by me. This is a good show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here now we'll go into the plugs. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's. Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hey, rock music fans. This is Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends Audiovisual Podcast. Join yours truly as I look every week at a different classic rock or metal album that had a major impact on my life. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two or ten. And we talk about nothing but great classic rock and metal. And there's no country or Sammy Hagar or rap on the fucking show. That shit is frowned upon with yours truly. So if you want a great classic rock audiovisual podcast, tune on in to the Terrence Reardon and Friends audiovisual podcast. New episodes every Monday exclusively 
on YouTube. Tired of your long commute and boring workday? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007... You've been getting Podkissed, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkissed. The Podkissed. The KISS Audio Fanzine for your ears. All right, this is the Ayatollah Alcoholic Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like too. Check me out every Saturday. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. Hey, this is DJ Mac. I want to let you guys know about the podcast with my co-host DJ Metal Mike. Mind Over Metal. You can find us at MindOverMetalPodcast.com. We're also on Spreaker, iTunes, Podbean, and uh, just about everywhere else you get your fucking podcast from. Oh, yeah, and we're also on uh, YouTube. So check us out for the best in heavy metal and hard rock music news, discussion and reviews. That's the Mind Over Metal podcast. Download it, subscribe to it today. Hey, headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks, then I ain't playing it. Because my show rules. And only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Then they repeat it on Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Whoa, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... The 
and you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Well, if you like that episode, you probably like cock in your mouth, just like Justin Children's mom. So come hey, what the? What is that? Dude, come on. I, I understand the whole Justin Children, but don't insult people that listen to this episode. Because they're, you know, you just said, you know, you, you hate people that don't listen to our episodes, only kiss episodes. And now you just told everybody that listened to this whole episode to go suck cock, that they like sucking cock. What the fuck's <laughs> up with that? What's that have to do with Justin Children's mom sucking random cock? I know, but you're the one that brought that up. Hey, if you like this episode, then you might, you might, you, you like sucking cock like Justin Children's mom. Why do you have to insult the fans, dude? Well, come back next week when you can get your cock sucked by Justin Children's mom. <laughs> there you go. That's better. On the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.